This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 176. Uh, we are talking the ins and outs of colonics with practitioner Xenia Gerson today. And uh, Xenia has performed hundreds of thousands of colonics over her time uh, as a practitioner. And uh, I remember seeing her speak at a conference, a Mind Foundation conference, a couple of years ago when I was also speaking. And uh, I really liked what she had to say. And when it was coming to us planning uh, the first of two health series we're running this year on the show, uh, I knew I wanted to tackle this topic because it, it comes up as a question often in our private Facebook groups, in the Lotox Club, etc. So I hope you enjoyed today's show with Xenia. She is uh, really great at just laying it all out, you know, whether you need a practitioner in the room with you or not, what the difference between colonics and enemas are. Is a colonic good or okay for everybody or are there people who should not get colonics? We cover the lot. Uh, And, of course, there's a whole bunch of gut health um, discussed as well. Uh, uh, Xenia is actually also the co-founder of a special stool that... (laughs) everything has a double entendre when you're doing a poop show. Has anyone ever noticed that? Ins and outs, I almost laughed before as well. But the proper, P-R-O-P-P-R, is a a footstool that you put um, under your feet when you're sitting on the toilet. And uh, we've talked about this before on the show, Uh, but her and Jacqueline brought it out uh, to help people to facilitate the full um, evacuation of the bowel, I think is the t- the technical term for that. But a lot of people don't fully evacuate and that's one of the, the problems that results in waste buildup and, um, and it just doesn't feel very nice. So I know you guys will enjoy the show, exploring that footstool, if that's something that sounds interesting. It's by no means a sales pitch today. This isn't a sponsored show or anything. We really do talk about a whole bunch of super useful digestive health and colonic information. So enjoy that when we come around to it. Um, Oh, and I wanted to just say a couple of little things about uh, Xenia's background as well. She actually hails from New Jersey. And having lived the whole fast-paced New York life, her passion for gut health and yoga began while living in California. Slowed everything down, realized, you know, she wasn't eating maybe so right, and and then decided to study at, at great length for her own health, but also to then help others how to implement some of these lifestyle choices into the 21st century where everybody seems always so busy Uh, but um, also not so well. And something I love that she says during our chat is the colonic doesn't function properly if you're always in fight or flight mode. So uh, if that's a bit of a reality check for you today, then maybe go back on to some of our meditation-focused podcasts. I have a great one with Elise Bialilu from uh, Mindful in May, uh, Guy Lawrence as well. Um, and of course, we have our Mind mini-series coming up. So 
Uh, for those of you who are new to tuning into the Low Tox Life podcast or you're a long-time listener and you're used to just a bit of a potluck what show, what topic is it going to be next week? Because it could be anything from food, body, home, mind, planet, inspiring business that's doing low-tox things. could be anything, right? But this year we have actually structured it in such a way that we started with our Changemaker series, um, first month of the year, and now we're moving into a health focus series. So for the next four or five weeks, you have a series of very focused, specific health topics uh, today we're doing a colonics and digestive health. Next week uh, we have a wonderful skin-focused uh, topic where we're bringing Asha Everts back, who is the uh, skin technician who so many people loved the first show we did late last year together that we've brought her back for a part two. So whereas the first show last year with Asha was very much around problem skin, acne and hormonal health, uh, this one is on all of the other skin challenges that are really common. We talk rosacea, we talk uh, common things like uh, reddening hives, broken capillaries, uh, eczema, dermatitis, a whole bunch of new stuff. So I know you guys will love that. And then we have the wonderful Dr. Jade Tita from the States, who is a um, muscle and metabolism and endocrine system whiz. It was such a great chat. I know you're going to love that one. And, uh, and a, a couple of others that I won't tell you just yet because, you know, you don't need to hear it just yet. Uh, we want to hook into today's show, but that is a little bit of a look at what the health series is going to look like so far. And uh, after that, we have everything mind and mental health related, which I'm very, very excited about. So we're grouping things over four or five weeks into one of the aspects of leading a low-tox life. And you'll see a whole bunch of healthful health helpful, <laughs> healthful as well, uh, content that will bring out blogs, uh, tips on Instagram, etc., to support the topics that we're covering. And uh, that way we can really dive into an aspect of leading a low-tox life at a time instead of being everywhere all the time. And I think that's going to be better for my brain, for my team's brain, for you guys as well. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this new format and I'm really looking forward to kicking off this month's health-focused topics. Now, of course, this is the second week that you have the wonderful offer from Walida supporting our um, beautiful podcast. Well, beautiful Walida supporting our podcast, which of course you may believe to be beautiful. That's lovely of you. Thanks. Uh, and uh, they have given us 15% off the entire Walida range and free shipping over $29.95. So it's a super, super deal if you have some things to stock up on. It does exclude gift vouchers, gift packs, and promotional items. And unfortunately, it is only for our Aussies. Um, but I do dream of a time when we can finally tee up these international uh, offers. So please hang tight. Uh, it is a big... Um, a big focus of ours this year so that our listeners all around the world in the 82 countries that tend to regularly tune into the podcast 
of which, by the way, there were 52,000 of us last month in February. So thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. And I do want to create more international offers. So do stay tuned. This one is just for Australia. Your code is LOWTOXLIFE and you can head to walida.com.au to make the most of it. We're also putting out this week a super useful guide on how to make the most of your tube or jar, given they have both now, of skin food. Uh, Walida is going to be turning 100 next year and skin food is one of the earliest products that they brought out with the original being a completely unchanged recipe. It is so, so useful, not just as a rich body moisturizer, but as a flight cream, as a makeup primer, there's a whole bunch of different uses. So head to the show notes uh, this week and you'll see um, our link to that blog as well. So I hope you enjoy this week's show all on digestive health and colonics. And I look forward to chatting to you in the Lotox Club if you join us there through Patreon. Otherwise, uh, I guess I'll see you online at Lotox Life is where you find us Instagram. And also I've actually started a personal Instagram account because while I absolutely love my Lotox Life business, my community, uh, I, I felt like sometimes I wanted to share some more personal things, some things about my life, uh, thoughts, uh, about things beyond, uh, leading a Lotox life. And, uh, that's at, Alex at underscore Alex Stewart. Uh, so you can come find me there as well. Uh, enjoy the show. Hello, Xenia. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, well, almost afternoon, but I'm still, I'm still well fighting off a little bit of a cold. But That's okay. okay. Oh, you sound fabulous. Um, I'm really looking forward to this chat because I know you work with some of Sydney's top doctors, people send their too hard basket bowel cases to you. And, um, and I think that is, uh, that speaks volumes for the work you're able to do for people and the lives you're able to change. So I w- I'm very curious though, to see, uh, how, uh, poop became <laughs> such a central thing yeah. for you in the work that you do in the world, because it's a bit of a taboo subject. It's not pleasant, you know, like to, to um, yeah. assess or talk about. And so obviously it's more about what a, a good functioning bowel symbolizes in a person's overall health that would have been the driver. But I'd love to hear your background and how you found that as um, your biggest interest. Sure. Well, uh, I got involved in colonics from a personal level. So I was on the table Mm -hmm. Uh, in around 2002 when I was still living in San Diego. And uh, I was training for some other work. And one of the women on the training course with me was a colon hydrotherapist. And, you know, we had lunch a few times and I was like, oh, everything makes me bloated, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I can never lose weight. I was a lot heavier then. Um, So yeah, so she's like, girl, you need colonics and you need Mm -hmm. to do a bowel cleanse. So I jumped in on a seven-day Bernard Jensen bowel cleanse um, in 2002. So it was uh, a whole week of colonics and psyllium bentonite and supplements and all that sort of stuff. And I came out the other side with brighter skin, no bloating. And the, and the practitioner that I worked with then was amazing. We you know, in, reintroduced food really slowly. And I realized then, and I had several more treatments with her over the years and more cleanses that, you know, the, the, a good functioning bowel isn't just 
to keep your poos healthy. It mm. was, you know, it affected the whole rest of my, my body and my mind and my skin and my hair and my attitude. And yeah. And so then I was, I was convinced and it wasn't until I was living, I came, I had already been living in, in Sydney but I did a stint in the Maldives from 2008 to 2009. And the woman that I shared my office with uh, was a naturopath from the UK. And By this I, stage, you're a colon hydrotherapist? No, not yet. Not yet. No. I was a yoga teacher and um, I worked in hospitality. I was managing fine dining restaurants and starting to get into yoga and teaching yoga. And as a yoga teacher, people ask you, nutrition questions and health questions. And so I said, look, I want to make sure I'm giving people the right answer. So then I went and did my certification in holistic nutrition and wellness consulting. Um, And then I was working in the Maldives, sharing an office with a naturopath. And I learned so much from her because I mean, in the Maldives, Mm. you have a lot of time to spend together. (laughs) Yeah. Not much going on. So I sat in on a few of her sessions with clients that came in. Um, and yeah, just learned so much from her and felt really confident, uh, more confident than I would did, you know, just having my, my own certification. And I came back to Sydney and I started to work as a colon hydrotherapist at a clinic in Bondi. Mm-hmm. And then I had lots of people coming from this area. So I'm in Cronulla, Sutherland Shires, so people, you know, from Wollongong were coming in this area. So I was fortunate that my husband helped me open my own clinic in 2018, 2012, mm-hmm. it's been eight years now. It's coming up onto eight years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, I guess something I think would be really good to actually step people through what to expect when you go for a colonic because it's the kind of thing that elicits such a fear response for so many or an ick slash gross response. Um, that it'd be really good to look at what it exactly entails. And then I'd love to ask you about the difference between colonics and enemas. So let's talk the colonic journey first and then go into some comparisons. All right. So firstly, people think that they have to have a problem to come in for a colonic, but Mm -hmm. you know, everything that I know and I've learned, you know, we can just come in for a general detox. We don't have to be constipated. We don't have to have IBS. We don't have to have, you know, anything in particular wrong to benefit from a colonic. So when we, when we book in for a colonic and I ask every one of my clients, when I sit down when they're new, I say, okay, tell me what you know about colonics. And Mm. usually it's someone shoves a tube up my ass and then poop comes out. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to say it's a little bit more gentle than that. So there is a speculum. Mm -hmm. Um, that does go into the rectum. And then I I have a closed colon hydrotherapy clinic. So the closed system means that everything, all the waste goes through a tube. So there's a water tube and then there's a waste tube and then everything goes out through the machine. So the insertion is the thing that everybody is nervous about, but we lay people in the proper position so that that insertion shouldn't be painful whatsoever. Okay. Um, and then we get a little gentle flow of water. The way we do it here is at Exhale is very gentle. So water goes in very slowly and I describe it as, you know, uh, you've cooked something and sometimes that pot gets a little bit sticky. And mm-hmm. so we fill it with water, right? We fill it with water, we walk away and then stuff starts to come off. Mm-hmm. So in a colonic, 
how we do it is exactly the same. Water goes in really slowly. There's a really gentle belly massage, like kind of encouraging the flow of water to come in when water is filling. And then the machine tells us when it's time to release. When it's full, we've hit something that wants to come out. And then we let that water out. So exactly mm-hmm. the same concept. You dump the pot that's been sitting there with water and then we go again. And then we give it a bit of a scrub. But in our case, we give a really nice uh, belly massage. And in Chinese medicine, as you know, belly massage is really important, not only for the cold. Huge, colon, but the other yeah. One. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, in our treatments, you might get a little bit of reflexology. You might get a little bit of acupressure. So we kind of work the colon and the organs in lots of different ways. Um, and then we do it again. So then again, once that release goes, we'll fill again. And then you're on the table for about 35 to 40 minutes, as mm-hmm. long as you're comfortable. If I see a client that's uncomfortable or something's not coming out, um, <clears throat> we stop, they go and sit on the toilet and, you know, things will come out that way. But yeah. it's always important to make sure that I'm connecting with the client and that they are comfortable. Mm. And I've heard situations where a therapist doesn't stay with you. Do you believe that that's not the best way forward? Um, and the, it's actually better to have the therapist there the whole time? Yeah, that's the open system. And interestingly enough, we have a colon hydrotherapist Facebook group and we were just in this discussion last week. So the open system can be a great system. So the machine is totally different. Um, If you can imagine like a gigantic bedpan, that's kind Mm -hmm. of what it looks like. Um, The person who's coming in for their treatment insert does the insertion themselves. The therapist will show them how to do it, leave the room, they'll do it. The therapist comes back in, turns the water on. And then when you feel like you need to go, you push. The issue that we find with the open system is that if you're left alone and you don't really know what you're doing, there's a lot of cramping, don't realize that you need to push, sometimes the water is going in too fast. So there can be some of those issues. A great open system, and I have been trained on the open system by my trainer, uh, a woman up in Queensland has been doing this for 30 years. She always had two machines. But with the open system, she stayed in the room. Okay. in the room. Yeah. Which is very, very uncommon. And if it was more common, the open system, I think would, would really benefit a lot of people. Um, so yeah, so she stayed in the room. She still did reflexology. She still did belly massage. She can control the water. She could help the, the client breathe through what was going on, explain to them. So it's not, I, I'm not going to say that it's, it's not a better system or a bad system, but I think it has its flaws where there's safety there. And I think that when, with the pr- practitioner in the room, it's just a lot safer. Mm-hmm. And just being the person trying to think of all the fears that people have around colonics in um, this next question. Uh, so how does someone get over the idea that you will literally have someone right there with you as poop flies out of your bum um, and not be embarrassed about that? <laughs> okay, so I'll answer this question with a story. I had a mom come in, uh, uh, I don't know, it was a couple of months ago now, and she's, you know, again, she was nervous. Everyone who comes in, they're nervous the first time. It's fear of the unknown. It's natural. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's laying on the table and she's getting some great releases. And she's like, I can't believe I'm laying on a table having a shit with beautiful music in the background, candles, dim lighting, 
someone's massaging me. She's like, this is like the best shitting experience I've ever had. <laughs> so, yeah, my um, clinic is very different. I've designed it so that is like as soon as you walk through the door, it's about relaxation. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so I've, I've set the vibe and the tone. But yeah, some people, some people um, mm. won't let go. Right. Mm. So they will be on the table and they're, you know, I can see that there, I can feel that there's something there, but it's not releasing. And that's just nerves and that's fine. And we go and sit on the toilet. And then the next time they come in, number one, so the colon is muscle, smooth muscle tissue. So the colon has muscle memory. So it knows I've made the appointment. I knew what happened the first time and, and we're good by the second session. It's like, okay, I totally know what's happening here. Everybody's relaxed and mm. we can let go. I have had <clears throat> two clients in the past that I have referred to the open system. And there is one here that I do refer to that I trust the practitioner there um, because they just simply wouldn't let go on the table. Every time they felt something coming, they asked to go sit on the toilet. So it was a lot of off on. I don't like to do insertions that many times. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I will refer to an open system in certain cases. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really uh, great thing for people to know that there is that option if they just can't get past it. Um, but is there, are there people who, okay, no, actually the first question I'm going to ask around colonics at this point is um, you've talked about how you don't need to have anything wrong to get one. Um, but we're in a society where we wait till things are wrong to do something. So how do we justify a benefit when there is nothing wrong with the colonic? What is the scientific benefit of getting it done as a maintenance preventative strategy? Well, I mean, look at anything that you turn on, whether it's your, you know, your news on your phone or your Instagram feed or your Facebook, whatever it is that you're on, LinkedIn, there's every day we're seeing something about gut health. And there's, you know, so many podcasts just talking about, you know, gut health, really. Or, you know, when I'm listening to any of my other health podcasts, it all roads lead back to the gut. You know, we're constantly leading back there. So, um, for instance, I have a client that's going to the naturopath for a few, diff a few issues, but all of a sudden things aren't moving through the bowels, right? So if we're... Uh, or, or even before that, there's nothing wrong with us, but we're, um, you have a great diet, we're juicing, you know, we've got lots of greens, we're well-balanced, we're exercising, all these things are going on, but for some reason, I'm still not feeling energetic. I'm still not sleeping well. Um, I'm still a bit short-tempered. So that, those are signs, even though I'm moving my bowels every day, those can still be signs that all of that good stuff I'm putting into my body, all of those nutrients from the food I'm eating, all of the oxygen that I'm getting from exercising outside, you know, all of the meditation that I'm doing, I'm still feeling not 100%. So that's one sign that we wouldn't associate with, you know, I need to get a colonic. But once we start to sort of move any of that old waste that's been sitting in the colon, then the nutrients from our food can start to be absorbed a bit better. And we mm. start to feel the effects of all the good things that we're doing for ourselves. Yeah. Um, we have clients that do juice cleansing um, and they'll come in during their juice cleanses days just so that 
again, we can get rid of the stuff that's been sitting there for a while. And then the nutrients from the juices that we're having can really, really penetrate and be absorbed. Mm -hmm. And if someone's going to the toilet regularly, um, and by regular, I mean every day or twice a day, uh, because, you know, there's a misconception and sometimes people are told, oh yeah, once a week is fine when it really, really is not. Um, if those people are really regular, what's getting stuck? Like why would they, um, have stuff sort of that still needs clearing? Well, our meat eating friends, Mm -hmm. uh, Red meat is one of the hardest things to get through the digestive system and it can stay in the system for up to two weeks. Mm -hmm. So for somebody that eats meat several times a day, let alone several times a week, that's not all coming out. Mm -hmm. So from the, from mouth to exit, uh, the transit time is roughly 18 to 24 hours. Right. And so we wake up in the morning and we're that regular person. We wake up in the morning, we have our bowel motion, you know, 7am that's not everything that you ate in those 24 hours before. That's like maybe a third of it, maybe a quarter of it. So the colon constantly is full. It's never empty. It's constantly got stuff going on in it. So what we're taking out is just sort of like that extra stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, giving it a little bit of a relief. And I call it, you know, we're, we're clearing the descending colon and sigmoid colon. I call it the exit ramp. So let's clear the exit ramp and then all that stuff that might be sitting on the sides and hugging the sides of the colon that don't come out in that normal fiber, uh, fiber filled bowel motion. All that stuff that sticks to the sides are the stuff that cause our, I don't want to say diseases, but um, just sort of maybe some issues that we might get that occasional bloating or, uh, you know, later on in life when we um, get diagnosed with diverticula, not diverticulitis, but diverticula, that's just those extra pockets of stuff that are full of waste that haven't ever come out through normal bowel motions. And mm-hmm. so we don't want that to kind of keep getting inflamed. Yeah. And so when it comes to those more inflammatory conditions with the bowel, when there really is something wrong, like diverticulitis, colitis, Crohn's, uh, is, um, is getting a colonic um, part and parcel of treatment for you? Or is it in some cases, it's actually better not to until inflammation is calmed down in other ways? I'd love to hear you speak about that because, um, you know, quite often we think, oh, you know, I've got something wrong downstairs. I need a colonic, but not everything is black and white. And there are different situations that it might not be the best solution right now. Yeah. So we've got, uh, we've got contraindications for a lot of things, actually. Um, Crohn's and inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, um, diverticulitis. That's when the diverticula have become infected. Uh, um, bowel cancer, uh, anemia or extremely uncontrolled high blood pressure, hemorrhoids, anal fissures. There's a lot of contraindications for it. And... Um, in any colonogotherapy clinic that you go to, there that will be on the questionnaire. So if you tick any of those, that's just going to be, you know, you're just going to have a conversation with the therapist and we're not going to go through with the treatment until we then are seeing a naturopath and we get that inflammation down or a nutritionist or whoever your health practitioner is that you're working with. Once that inflammation comes down and we have another either x-ray to show that or we have another colonoscopy to show that and that could take a long time, then 
colonics could be appropriate in the future to keep things at bay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. And what is the difference between doing a colonic and an enema for people who don't understand the difference there? Because there's been a lot of uh, kind of um, acceptance of enemas as a form of cleansing and detoxifying, especially coffee enemas for people with really sluggish liver uh, function. How, how do they um, measure up against each other? Or is it different situations, different need? Um, well, look, basically uh, a colonic is a glorified enema. You know, uh-huh. enemas were here first. The first recorded enema was 1500 BC, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so enemas, I mean, I don't know. I come from an Eastern European background. I grew up in the States, but we're Russian. And when there was constipation in the house, it was, you're getting an enema, you know, and it was grandma putting a bit of water up the bum and then you sat on the toilet and it alleviated. So that's based, so an enema, you could do it. It's, you could definitely do it at home. Um, and it's kind of just like, I, there's either two ways. There's either kind of like a bulb that you can sort of fill with water and insert into the rectum. That's what you would use with small children. Or if you can kind of picture like an IV bag full of, full of water and then, um, a smaller insertion piece goes into the rectum. The enema won't, water won't go in as high or as much as a colonic. And a lot of people, when we first start with an enema, we can really only hold the water for maybe a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have to go and sit on the toilet, let it out, maybe go and put a little bit more water in, let it hold and soak, sit on the toilet again. But as we get used to enemas, some people can hold the water for a couple of hours, go about their daily errands and let that water sit there and soak and then sit on the toilet. But that takes, that's a while, you know, that's mm. somebody's doing enemas for a long time. You know, the Gerson Institute, uh, the, the alternative cancer treatment centers in the States, they use it, they use enemas a lot. Um, and it's good for those people that need to maybe have a bit more help than regular moving their bowels. And, you know, you don't want to be paying to have a colonic every single week, but we can do an enema at home a couple times a week. Mm. We also don't want to overuse it either. There's that fine balance. So let's talk about overuse then. What does overuse look like and what would the harm of that be? Yeah, really simply, over overuse looks like you can't move your bowels unless you're having an enema or a colonic. And if you're coming into the clinic and that's the case, I will not let you come in. I mm-hmm. will make sure that we have some other sort of plan in place. If I see somebody is coming in too much and they're not doing the homework that I've asked them to do, um, I'll refer them on to another practitioner because sometimes another practitioner might be able to get through to them. Like either I have a very trusted GP I work with. Um, I have a few functional medicine doctors I'll send to some naturopaths, some nutritionists. So we have to really be careful that that's not happening. You can overdo it with the coffee enemas. Coffee enemas right now are all the rage. Um, Coffee enemas were uh, really designed to get to that liver. Like you, like you said, those people Mm. that aren't clearing the liver and to, for for the coffee to get to the liver. So the liver is underneath our our right rib. Um, It's going to, that water has to sit in there 10, 15 minutes to really, really even get there. And then it's got to soak. And then, you know, it comes out. So like when we're, I've done some research and when you are at the Gerson Institute, that coffee enema isn't introduced in the beginning. It's introduced later when we've had a few colonics, we've had a few enemas 
and we can hold that water. Mm. So I'm, I'm seeing a lot of overuse with that coffee enema and yeah, I do get a little bit worried about it. Yeah. Okay. And so overuse for, for us just to recap is when you take it away, you literally can't move your bowels. So it becomes a dependency in a way. Yeah. Yeah. The muscle. So it's a muscle, right? And the, the brain has to send the message to the colon that says, yep, it's time to release. But muscles get lazy and then, you know, water is going in. It's like, oh, I'm just going to wait here for the water to come in and then, you know, I'll, I'll extract it out with the peristaltic motion. We don't want that peristaltic motion to get lazy. Mm-hmm. So we need, there's a fine balance with how often we're doing enemas. And we might, be, we might um, do several in the short term if we're working towards something, but then we have to give it a rest and let yeah. the colon come back to its own thinking brain of when to go. So important. And you mentioned uh, that you give your clients homework. What does that look like? <laughs> I give lots of homework. They love the homework. My homework is really simple. You know, I start off very simple. I listen to them. We go through, through the, first, the first session that you have with me is 75 minutes. We go through a bit of background. And through the treatment, I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm trying to get an understanding of not only what they're eating, but what lifestyle is like. What are the stress levels like? You know, kids, how many meals do they have to make? You know, like just so much. So I'm getting this grand picture, right? So... Um, for instance, I had a client a few weeks ago. A lot of times people's bowel issues are not food related. Mm-hmm. So I've, I have a lot of people that come in that their diet's pretty good. You know, I might ask them to say, let's just eliminate this one thing. Yeah. Maybe let's just, elim- let's just take the bread out in the morning and see how that goes. But I also want you to, at three o'clock when you're going to reach for that second, third coffee and you're getting tired and you're getting cranky, I want you to go outside and take a few breaths. Mm-hmm. I want you to step away from your desk and, you know, give the body a moment to rest and digest. We're living in fight or flight. The yeah. colon will not function in fight or flight. The body won't function in fight or flight. We'll end up having anxiety attacks and adrenal fatigue and, you know, all these things. So a lot of times the homework is leave your desk walk away, go outside, take your lunch on the park bench and walk around the block once before you go back to your desk. So homework is often a bit like that. Yeah. Um, And then of course, sometimes homework is a bit more food related. You know, I had a client the other day, uh, she was not digesting her beans. And so I said, okay, Mm. let's cook them a little bit differently. Let's add some apple cider vinegar to the water whilst they're boiling. um, And let's make sure we're really chewing them. So I don't throw a lot of supplements at, at somebody the first two times they come in. Um, I really just want to see how we can sort of change the little things mm. and then those will make sort of those, those bigger changes. And sometimes it's, that's really all we need. We need permission to pause. Yeah, it's so true. And when you consider, I remember my um, old naturopath who has since moved back to Germany, sadly, but she taught me how lying down on the couch with your legs propped up on pillows so that the height, like the level of your legs is higher than your heart for just 10 minutes in the afternoon, right when you're talking about that coffee kind of time. Three o'clock lol. Yep. Gives you a 90% adrenal recovery. And I mean, like 10 minutes, 
Yeah, we teach that at yoga. You know, mm. this great Trani, legs up the wall. Exactly. Up, yeah, exactly. five minutes of that is like a three-hour nap. Mm. And if you talk about, again, the function of the body and it needing to be in rest and digest to, to really uh, give us the goods when it comes to bowel movements and all the rest, um, just seems to be silly to not, it's, what's that Chinese proverb? If you don't have 10 minutes, take an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that one. Yeah. Well, we fill our calendars, you know, I, we look at our calendars and it's back to back all day. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I can schedule in 30 minutes, you know, and even with my uh, colleagues, practitioners, I see, I schedule in a break. I won't see more than four clients before I give, you know, and then I give myself an hour break and that's mm -hmm. a non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, just to reset myself, eat something, maybe, you know, just leave the office and walk down to the post office or something. Mm. But, you know, that's a non-negotiable. So I think we have to really schedule in non-negotiables for ourselves and for our children. You know, yeah. our children are getting over, over scheduled and then they start to have tummy problems. But mm. I love children because children can tell you exactly where their tummy problem is. And different parts of the colon hold on to different emotions. We've got fear, we've got anger, we've got anxiety, we've got worry and grief. So if you ask, a child comes home and says, my tummy hurts. Awesome. Let them point exactly where and then you know the question to, to ask them. You know, it could be towards the liver and be like, oh, did someone make you angry at school today? You know, or lower sides. Oh, is there something that you're nervous about? You know, it's, and I, yeah, I love it. I love it when kids, you know, because they're so open and they know exactly what's wrong and they'll tell you. Mm. And can kids have colonics? The youngest, uh, the youngest I've seen is 10 years old. Okay. And the doctor actually suggested, so mom came with, we didn't do a full 35 minutes. We just let her be in control of how long she wanted to be on the table. Very, very slow, very gentle. And she spent most of the time sitting on the toilet, but she lasted 15 minutes, which was awesome. Um, the woman who I trained with on the Gold um, Sunshine Coast, she used to see children um, with autism and that was very helpful. But again, the child is always in control control first mm -hmm. of all they'll come in and see a colonic see mom or dad come and have one and then they decide if it's okay so we, when we treat kids it's always with them in control yeah okay great and um i guess something that a lot of people find confusing if i can ask on a broader uh gut health um and treatment uh front um is all the mixed messages uh where people start to get so confused about what works because we're all trying to argue what works for everybody when we need to start thinking more about what works for us. How do you help clients navigate that noisy, noisy world of conflicting information um, and really help them return back to their own bodies and what works for them? Because you might have someone, um, you know, who just is not doing well on the beans. It just, you know, for whatever oh, reason. But they're so you know, good for me. Why isn't it working? Exactly. And then, and then they get confused and feel ashamed for eating meat that does seem to work really well for them. And then the next person's the opposite. And, you know, on and on we go. And I remember when I was speaking to a wonderful podcast guest last year who said to, the idea that there would be a perfect human diet for 7 billion people is the biggest farce. We're all trying to chase it and it simply does not exist. So in that noisy world, how do you as a um, 
hydrotherapist because you would obviously, you have all this time to chat to them and they would probably share so much with you. So you would be up close seeing a lot of this confusion that people are wading through. What's your advice um, to people to help them connect to what really works for them to get their insides humming? So the, the wonderful world of Google is a little bit of a, you know, angel and devil at the same time. There's lots of information, mm. but there's lots of information. Well, so, and there's a lot of censoring now, or they've yeah. admitted to that. So it's yeah. also them projecting their version of what they want people to see, which yeah. is very dangerous game. It's very dangerous. So it's the same thing, you know, when I first, uh, when I teach a yoga class, I'm not saying every class, but I say in a lot of my classes is look left, look right. That person, did they look exactly like you? Were they an exact replica twin? No. And that's on the outside, right? So on the inside, everything is different also. Yes, we've got all the same organs, most of us, you know, and bones and things like that. But they don't all fit together in the same same sort of way. So when we look at digestive system and health, you know, there's no possible way that what works for even your twin is mm. going to work for you. Yeah. So, you know, it's really it's really allowing yourself to discover what it is that works for you. And I hate I don't like the labels. I went to this um went to this thing a couple of years ago hosted by um by yoke for the fringe festival and i loved it it was a and he was a he was a naturopath and he said let's stop labeling what i am i'm keto i'm paleo i'm vegetarian i'm flexitarian i'm pescatarian he goes how about we just say this is what i love to eat and this is what makes me feel good so i've adapted that when i work with my clients i go let's yeah let's figure out what works for you you know you want to eat meat that's fine don't, and, and I have some, you know, I have some type O blood type clients that tried to go vegan and they, they had no energy, you know, they were, mm, that's me. Yeah. 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 So I said, okay, I said, okay, let's eat meat, you know, if we need to, and we want to, but let's source it from really sustainable places. Let's go to the farmer's market. Let's get to know the butcher. Beautiful. You know, let's make sure that that animal had a really good life mm. and thank it for its life as you're consuming it. And then it's okay. So, you know, we can't beat ourselves up about it. You know, for me, meat, you know, I stopped eating meat at 17 because it didn't make me feel good back then. Yeah. And I have a couple of friends who, as soon as they were old enough to have the choice and control over their meals, they were the same and they thrive and they do so well. And I think we'd all do so well to have compassion and honor for what works for different people absolutely you know i have parties and i cook you know i don't cook just what i can eat i make sure everybody is satisfied my husband eats meat but Mm. we buy it from the farmer's market we know the butcher he laughs he's like do you want to know the lamb's name i go no (laughs) i don't (laughs) although that portlandia (laughs) episode was pretty hilarious do you did you ever see that episode of portlandia with the chickens no Oh, no, you have I'll, to I'll Google, Google it. I'll Google it. I'll it YouTube is it. just yeah. the best. So That's good. Funny. Yeah. So we have to give ourselves permission. And we also have to understand that, you know, with kids, um, I, again, I, I, my clients tell me about, and I ask what's dinner time like, because that's a stress, right? And so if we're under stress while we're eating, nobody's died. Nobody's going to digest their dinner very mm. well. You know, my son doesn't eat this. My daughter only eats that blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm freaking out. I want them all to eat the same thing. I go, let it go. Mm. I go, they want to eat pasta right now. And that's nothing else. 
but it gives them sustenance. Let's just eat the pasta, you know, mm. and let's do this for the daughter. And, you know, it's okay. It's not going to be like this. Give ourselves permission to, you know, let go a little bit and go, all right, this is how it has to be for a couple of years. And then I go, let's make a smoothie and let's throw in some spinach and they won't notice. Yeah. You know? Or the other thing I get people to do is um, make very bland chicken broth and mm-hmm. freeze it in ice cube trays mm-hmm. and shock it in the kid's smoothie. And so yeah. they're getting so much nutrition out of that and they don't know it's there. So like we can sneak it in. We can, yeah. and I teach, teach people how to do that. But I also teach them to let's let go a little bit and we'll get the nutrition. We'll get in there. We can take a multivitamin for the kids or something, but so true. Like do the immediate SOS, get them the nourishment in a pill if it has to be for now and then work on a long game so that it's not all about stress and control because that is literally the opposite effect is going to be had. um, If we stay in that fight or flight with everybody so tense, Mm. it's it's not going to do our digestion any favors. (laughs) And how many adults do you know that go, I could never, I wasn't allowed to leave the table until I ate all of my broccoli. I hate broccoli now. Mm. That's because it's it's like PTSD, broccoli (laughs) PTSD. Literally. Yeah. So you're not going to eat it. So let's not do that to the kids now. Trust me, they'll come around to it. Their taste buds you know, change. So, you know, less stress around, around food time is going to help our digestion that much Mm. more and our mental health. That is such a great, great point there on the mental health front. Um, Love that. So um, obviously colonics are the kind of, um, uh, is, is deep a rude word to use there. They're the deeper form of therapy, but there's um, something I love that you do. And I know I've um, shared this in our beautiful Golo Toxie course before is the stool. And um, there are a few different ones around, but I know you make one um, called the proper and, uh, and, and I'd love for you to explain why having a stool for everybody for their day to day would be a really great overall um, uh, thing for people to consider. And it's by no means like a sales pitch or anything at the end of our show, but just given that you have one um, and given that I know the benefits of it, um, I think it'd be really good to talk about how that actually assists people in better, in better pooping. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I start this by saying, let's look at, I love, I, I always give analogies back to kids, right? Let's look at a toddler, you know, toddlers still using, still using their nappy or their diaper, but when they're on that verge of like starting to sit on the toilet, you find them hiding underneath the dining table in the squat position. Yep. It's natural. It's mm. our natural position to release. Um, and there are still many countries in the world that only squat. And if you look at their their health, their their issues of any sort of inflammatory bowel disease or any bowel disease at all is very minimal. Mm-hmm. So when we squat, we allow there's a, there's the sigmoid column that has a little bit of an S bend right at the end, and this S bend is kind of like the S bend in your sink or in your toilet. It's meant to catch stuff. But we don't want it to catch stuff all the time. We want it to release. If we sit on the toilet at, you know, that 90 degree angle that we're used to, or if we're short and our toes don't even touch the floor, which is in my case sometimes, um, that 90 degrees kind of even gets a little bit more. So that, you know, kink in the bowel, nothing gets through. When Mm -hmm. we squat, 
technically it's the puborectalis muscle. When we squat, it straightens out, right? Mm -hmm. So when it straightens out, that sigmoid colon can straighten out a little bit more and it becomes a bit of a slide situation. So when we slide, it's easy to come out. But, you know, we can't, and I, I, I please don't ever stand on a toilet, anyone who's listening. <laughs> Because I've seen, I've seen I've, those know, pictures, like where they have the picture of the person standing on the toilet with a cross on it. <laughs> yeah, and it's really, really dangerous because yeah. uh, the physics of a toilet design is meant to sit on it, take half of the weight. If we mm. stand on it, a you know things move, can move around. We can slip, and then it's porcelain. Porcelain cuts through. There's a lot of major veins, you know, in the yeah. leg. So anyway, very dangerous. Please don't do that. But we do want you to get into the spot position. So by placing a proper underneath your feet, it brings the knees above the hips. Mm -hmm. And that's the key. So, you know, if you've got one of those, one of your kids has a tiny little stool in there, it's probably not high enough. The main point is that the knees need to be above the hips and that is a squat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, the, that's why we have the, the proper there for us. Mm, fantastic. And have you found that people have just had completely changed pooping experiences as yeah. they've incorporated it? Yeah. Yeah. My friend's daughter, we sent one, um, she's in Portland in Seattle and she's had gut issues her whole life. And I just sent one to her at Christmas. Mom bought her one. And <laughs> she wrote and she goes, I've never had bigger poops in my life. You know? <laughs> she hasn't changed anything else. Yeah. All she's done the stool. And, you know, my GP recommends them. And if those people that are constantly taking laxatives and removacols and, you know, things like that, that's something that you have to continually buy. A footstool, like proper, is something that you pay for once. And, you know, it does all the things that you've just been asking all of those medications to do just, just by changing the angle. That's mm, amazing. I still remember when um, Pete Evans shared a footstool on his Facebook page when he first started, when he first came out as a, um, as a whole foodie and a, a traditional um, foods advocate. Uh, I remember it was just so controversial and that was about like 2013 or something. Uh, and now it's just, you know, in most uh, health and health conscious circles, it's a really common thing and a lot of people use them. I know a lot of people in the low tox community use them. So if someone's out there and they're not using them and they feel like they're on the constipated side of things, especially, um, then it's definitely worth a shot. Um, but generally just for proper and whole elimination. Um, yeah. It also helps pelvic floor. Women, women and men, men experience pelvic floor issues, but women um, postnatal that mm. are experiencing a little bit of that prolapse because, you know, the pelvic floor is kind of like a hammock. Um, a, be seeing your physical therapist to work on that, but B, propping your feet up like that will support that pelvic floor as well. So mm. it doesn't feel like, you know, like it's all, just, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. yeah. I was trying to be politically correct in how it was. <laughs> like that. someone cut the hammock strings on yeah. one side. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, that was such an interesting chat. I really appreciate this because um, some of the more taboo topics can sort of go untalked about and then people that could really benefit from colonics or a poop stool or, you know, whatever, um, just 
don't get them because of misinformation on the internet or, you know, not really having access yeah. to an expert. So, Or simply, you know, just, just coming in to have a talk about your gut health. And, um, you know, a couple of the young girls, I see they're really adorable. They have their poop friend, you mm. know, and I, I make sure I said, do you have somebody that you can talk to? And they're like, yep, I have my poop friend. She checks in with me every day. Wow. You know? And good to be able to talk about it and, you know, be, be able to be open about it. And, you know, you, we have a great haircut or we get a great massage and, you know, we're telling everybody, but mm. you know, when we have a great colonic or, you know, we have a great foul motion, we don't necessarily, you know, text that to our friends. No, yeah, so true. <laughs> I know, but my, I've made it really, um, really open conversation with my son. It's always been now, how's your poop? Can you see food in it? Well, what does that mean you need to do better? I've got yeah. to chew my food more, you know, all the things. And, okay. um, and every now and then he'll go, mom, can you just come look at my poop and tell me what you think? <laughs> and he's 10. Okay. So yeah, he's sure. definitely beyond like tiny person age. And I love that he feels like he can do that because yeah. it shouldn't be a taboo subject because it is such a vital sign of health. My teacher, so those people listening that have babies, so my teacher up in Queensland, again, I refer to her a lot. She taught me a lot. She said even, she teaches her clients this, when you're changing the baby's nappy, at no point do you go, ew, gross. It's mm. yay, good job, because subconsciously they're absorbing that. So again, mm. they're making that association with doing a bowel motion to yay, good, or gross, yuck. Ah, so great yeah, tip. So even when we start changing the nappies, I had to change a nappy the other day for a friend of mine. It was disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, what have you been eating? But you know, I'm smiling. I'm like, good girl. That's great. <laughs> Inside of me, I don't have to do this at work. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. Especially when they just start solids, and you're like, oh, okay, we're done with the milk now. Great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so encourage your babies. That's smile. such a good idea and such a simple tool to make it not taboo and shameful and horrible, but really something to be happy about when it's going well. Yeah. And when you're starting to potty train or toilet train here in Australia, um, Make sure the kids do have something underneath their feet when they're sitting on the toilet because there's also that fear. Their little butt is hanging really far down into the toilet and it's scary, yeah. number one, but B, that sigmoid colon that I was talking about that has the S band, it tightens it even more. So yeah. really make sure there's something tall enough for them to put their feet on when they're sitting on the toilet. A, it gives them just that sort of uh, stability. grounded feeling, that stability. And B, it's also going to help with that sort of that, that kink that's going on in there. So really like, I mean, let's, let's make sure we've got good, healthy bowel habits from, from nappy changing time. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. So the next generation will have really great. <laughs> I know we can the world of poop in one generation. Let's, let's think about that. Uh, thank you so much, Xenia. What a great chat. I really appreciate your time and ask, answering all the questions. Um, and I look forward to sharing this with everybody. I know they'll find it super helpful. Thanks, Alex. This was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Low Tox Life from here on in? 
Well, you've obviously got lowtoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action Uh, and uh, there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit uh, stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written over the past nine years of writing a blog. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added and I can't wait to see where that community takes us. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus uh, Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Today